0: Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today we're talking with Peter Swanson and Brent Whitehead with Love Serves International. That's Peter Swanson and Brent Whitehead with Love Serves International. I get calls from uh, from listeners that say, "Hey, I didn't get the uh, name of the organization. Love Serves International." Okay. And we're going to talk today about what is your, what's your ministry passion and what are you doing about it? Because these are two guys that are passionate about what they do in their ministry. So thanks for being on the show today, Peter Swanson and Brent Whitehead. I really, I'm glad you guys are here in the studio. Thanks for being here. Oh, we're that, really glad to be here too. Sure are. Okay, all right, so let's just start off. I, I got to tell the listening audience I met Peter Swanson because of a friend of mine whose name is Mark Clark, and I know he won't be listening, so this won't give him too big of a head. Mark Clark is working with a partner friend of mine back in Minneapolis, my former business partner, and that's how I got to know Peter Swanson. It has been one of the biggest blessings in my life to get to know Peter and his wife, Amy, and their three children, uh, and also all about Love Serves International, because I have told the story of Love Serves because it It's so fantastic. I've told it to so many people. I'm so glad to have you on the air today. All right. So let's just start off. Tell us, Brent, let's just start off with you. Tell a little bit about how Christ has impacted your life and how you became became a
1: Christ follower. Uh, I actually became a a follower of Christ when I was 12. I'm in my mid-50s and riding my bicycle to church because my folks didn't go to church. And it was a real commitment to Christ at that time. But as far as my growth goes, I started a business at at 18 years old, and it has really been at at the workplace that I've grown the most, uh, where business people that were older than me had mentored me, and following Christ and using the bus our business as a platform for ministry, and that has been the biggest growth for, for for me in following Christ. I thought you were going to say you're on you're riding your bike to church and you gave your life to Christ after you got hit
0: by a car, but it wasn't that dramatic. <laughs> Not that dramatic. Okay, all right.
2: Okay, Peter, what about you? How did you how did you come to Christ? I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my parents were missionaries as well. Uh, They left to Ecuador with HCJB Global in 1979. So I'm 36, so I pretty much grew up on the mission field until the age of 17. But, you know, there's a lot of times um, you just assume, well, you missionary kid, you probably were committed um, from day one. And there was a moment, Jim, um, probably about the time I was shipped off to boarding school when I was 12, and by the way, that was my, my decision my parents and I made together, but they gave me the option. So, you know, don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I wasn't judging. Okay, go ahead. But anyways, so here I was faced with, uh, you know, I'm on my own. I'm learning to, you know, iron my own clothes, do my own laundry, um, figuring out how to cook even, and teach myself to do my own homework. Um, I lived in a, in a dorm with about 35 other students And there was a moment, a crisis of belief where my parents, you know, they'd always taught me to follow Christ. They emulated him and they modeled him. So I had I had great um, role models in my life. But even so, there's a moment where you've you got to make that decision for yourself. And I remember asking Christ into my heart, you know, probably every night when I was six and seven years old, you know, just to make sure I had fire insurance, I suppose. But but really where the rubber met the road I was uh just remember walking uh through the field we had a big soccer field and it was just a moment between me and god and i was just crying out is this is are you really real um you know because i've been told this all my life almost as if it's been spoon fed to me on a silver platter and just accepted and there's that crisis of belief where you have to it becomes my own and i didn't i didn't know what to do at that point but christ Took over um, one evening when uh, our, the pastor at the English Fellowship Church there in Quito, Ecuador, he gave an altar call, and I went forward, and I was never the same since. It's it's hard to describe, you know, what he's done done since, but so many different things that have changed and grown me, um, and. Almost every time it's been through adversity. Almost every time it's been through a challenge of some kind. Um, we, My parents left the mission field because my mom's health was declining, and she's doing fine now, by the way, so praise the Lord. Um, you know, and just number of things. Uh, I met my wife here in Florida. There's a whole long story, but really we, where God has really began to form me um, was when he I was doing youth ministry for about 10 years and towards the end of that 10 years he began to rattle my cage and in a big way I didn't know what was next but I knew I was supposed to take a leap of faith and to leave what I loved actually I loved youth ministry and and to try and to step out completely in faith um, and I didn't know what was next so I did and he didn't, he didn't tell me what it was right away. <laughs> so Now, Brent, you own Whitehead Construction. Tell,
0: tell us about it. This is your chance to get a free commercial on the air. Tell us about Whitehead Construction.
1: Uh, we primarily build uh, gulf-front houses uh, in this area, uh, very large, expensive homes for very wealthy people. Um, it has been... Uh, an operation where we have very close relationships with our customers for two and a half years, which just helps enhance the opportunity to uh, be very intimate with your customers. And this business is very unique from that standpoint because you you have a small amount of them, which is a great platform to be able to share what's going on in your life as they share what's going on in their lives and be able to direct them uh, to a relationship with Christ.
0: Well, anybody that's ever built a house knows that that's probably one of the most frustrating things in the world to do. And, of course, you probably make that a lot easier.
1: It it is our business model. We're aware of how complicated and frustrating and stressful it is. And it's part of that relationship that is very important in executing. And you've been doing this for how many years? 40 years almost? Yes, 40 years.
0: Have you always been in the Tampa Bay region? Always. Okay. All right. And you're out of Sarasota, right? Sarasota,
1: Bradenton. Okay.
0: All right. Fantastic. Well, I, I've built a couple of houses now back in Minnesota, not one here. And up in Minnesota, you could build a house in like 90 days. Down here, it seems like it takes nine years. Nothing here. I don't think they have deadlines for anything down here. Road construction, Ulmerton's been on, under construction for, you know, 22 years, I think. It, it's, it's unbelievable. But uh, you got to uh, tell us about your family,
1: Brent. I uh, have a wonderful bride, uh, married for 28 years, and uh, two adult gal girls and two adult boys
0: nice and, and peter i already know your wife's name amy mm-hmm. and you have uh, 78 children how many children did you have uh, just three jim just three i have uh say hi to your kids <laughs> hi selah abby and josiah yeah that's always good that's always good points all right on your website it says that you said people say it must make you feel good to be involved with this ministry that does so much good for so many that's not it What it is, is the greatest privilege. I'm so amazed that I have had the opportunity to be so involved in such a great work that the Lord is doing in the Dominican Republic. Why me? Why not someone more deserving? Thank you, Jesus. That's what you said. Tell me, why did you start Love Serves International?
1: Obviously, I didn't start it. Uh, It is a hugely successful organization, and that meant God had to have started it. Amen. I happened to be on a bus 30 years ago. Uh, in the Dominican Republic. We had just finished uh, a work project, Uh, me being in construction, I was head of uh, the construction activities in the work project where we built four little tiny churches, 20 by 40, and while we were doing that we had treated 1,200 people in a medical clinic. So we had set up medical clinics, we had doctors in the medical clinics uh, treating the people in these villages, these small little villages in the poor area of the Dominican Republic and their health needs we were feeling pretty good patting ourselves on the back uh, on how much work we got accomplished and and how much benefit these uh, activities that the medical doctors were doing and one of the doctors happened to overhear uh, myself and another businessman uh, from Sarasota his name's Martin Newby uh, talking about how proud we were on what God had accomplished in these two-week period of time and the doctor was a Dominican and he said uh, Quite frankly, majority of all those 1,200 people will feel exactly the way they did a month before we showed up because they have a serious problem. It's called they cannot have a healthy life. Their, their water quality is poor. Their habits and living a healthy life is poor. Uh, they don't have an understanding of how to take care of their babies. And that had attributed to the Dominican Republic being at the top seven and in highest infant mortality rates in this entire hemisphere. So it was at that point when Martin and I looked at that doctor and said, what can we do? What can we do? And, and he had an answer for you, he had to. He, within two days, we hooked up and hired somebody and was starting to put in wells. And that was the beginning uh, of, of the ministry because that was the biggest need at that time 30 years ago.
0: And what was your purpose behind, first of all, where did you put the wells? What was your purpose behind the wells? Did you put, like, one in every village? or I mean, how did you figure out where to put them?
1: Well, being Americans and actually not understanding the proper way to do it, we thought, well, we'll put one at each site. People will come and draw uh, the living water out of the well as they're receiving the living water from the pastor who's going to just be standing there waiting for people to show up at the well. Um, after some months, our, who, who we had, had hired, Abel Ramirez, a Dominican, a brilliant, uh, godly, godly man who's been our executive director for more than two decades, uh, he showed us a, a more efficient way to do so uh, and, and, and included in that um, where we had doctors that were doing, teaching the people how to care for their babies and that was all right. So you were pl- You
0: were digging the wells next to the churches, or right in near, near the churches. So, uh, how many years did you
1: install wells in the Dominican Republic? Well, we did wells, taught health, installed latrines, uh, taught farmers how to uh, be more efficient in their farming for about uh, twenty years.
0: Okay, and and what did you find after twenty years of doing that? You, you were frustrated, because it wasn't producing the result
1: that you wanted to produce. It wasn't, that, wasn't there some frustration in that? Actually, it was I- I- incredibly successful. Um, USAID saved the children. Many international organizations uh, made a point to spend literally months in our offices there in the Dominican Republic to figure out how we could be so efficient uh, for what how much we were spending and how much productivity we could generate. Um, uh, it, so it was actually a very successful organization. It was Abel Ramirez, our executive director, who felt a calling from God, that he felt that what I call the sweet spot in the in third world nations and developing nations, where it changes, and that it wasn't so much about water and training as much, but God's sweet spot was uh, a, a different direction. And Abel was... Was ready to step aside and start the platform in which we're in now. Well, don't jump to that yet. Okay, so th-
0: how much did it cost you to put a well in? Because I mean, a lot of people, you'll know, hear, if you want to dig a well here in Florida, which by the way you got to drill, I don't know, halfway to China because you got to get through the limestone. You got, I mean, you got to find the good well that you won't collapse your house on after you do it. Because you know, today a resort over in uh, Claremont collapsed into a big sinkhole. I mean, we we have we have rough water. Water's right underneath our ground. It, it, most of us have water in our front yards, but the fresh stuff that's underground. It costs a lot of money to, deal, to drill a stable well. In the Dominican, you're dealing with bedrock. I mean, it's a, it's a volcanic island. How much did it cost you to put a well in in these villages, by these churches?
1: Uh, from literally hundreds of dollars to as much as 3000
0: So for $3,000 on the high end, you're actually providing how many people with fresh water?
1: The average village that we work in is 1,000 people.
0: Wow. And they'd never had fresh water before. They were always going to ditches or lakes or whatever
1: to get it before. Unsanitary water.
0: What did you guys see as the result of the wells from a health standpoint? Did, had, did, did you start to see an effect there?
1: It was a combination of the wells and the combination of training um, the people in the community that would take three years. We'd take three years to do this training, and we were seeing infant mortality rates drop 400%.
0: Oh, my. That's a huge number Okay, now you were going on to Okay, so you were drilling the wells And bell said, hey, but we're not leading people to Christ The way you, the, the way you thought it would I mean, you, you thought the pastors would You'd drill the well and the pastors would see people come get water Which they were doing Because they were thrilled to death to get fresh water But the pastors didn't know how to translate or, or, or take that appointment at the well And turn it into an opportunity to share people about who Jesus is So what did you do?
1: it's it's exactly right we were seeing salvations but not near to the uh, degree that we really felt like god wanted to affect this country so we realized that god's answer is through the church and that's his that's how he wishes this to be operated is through the church and it was Abel's desire to do not uh, continue doing wells and, and and teaching health but much much more do what the church in that community needs and, and get stand behind the church and that that's the do the new business model hmm.
0: and, and you made that decision how many years ago did you actually stop drilling wells and just start discipling people actually it's only about six or seven years okay and peter now this has been your job for almost four years you've been uh w- w- what is your job within love serves why don't we just tell
2: people uh well i feel like i wear a lot of hats that i love <laughs>
0: but you don't have hat head so it's okay it's working for you
2: works for me. Um, I was hired on originally as development director. And uh, as the ministry has grown, I find that really all I do is tell people what God is doing. um, I consider myself a messenger, a messenger of a fantastic uh, results of a fantastic ministry that God is doing. And um, so my job is to expose people um, and share with people a fantastic opportunity for them to get involved with, if 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 that's a call in their life. Everybody has a passion. Everybody has certain affinities. Oftentimes, it's untapped. As some people uh, don't know what that is yet. And I really find that I I can I can connect them with a ministry that will open their heart. Really, really does. All right. So
0: let's talk about this new ministry model, Peter. Start us off. Talking. I mean, you guys switched from drilling wells and hoping people would come to 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 put putting Jesus in the Lord's spot in their
2: lives to making a monstrous impact. What's the ministry model look like today? Well, today, uh, much like Brent said, I mean, there had to be a complete change. Um, when, you, when you're when you doing one thing for a long time and you begin to shift, uh, it, it takes a full support of a board. And I'll tell you, the board was completely uh, um, unanimous. Uh, they all believed uh, after prayer that this is the right thing. And Abel Ramides, uh, he, he realized that there needed to be help for the pastor and his church because a parachurch ministry, a parachurch nonprofit organization like ours um, that drills wells, I mean, how? what basis do we have to go into a church and say, oh, by the way, you know, uh, you're not reaching people in your own community. You're not teaching them. You're not discipling. You're not evangelizing. I mean, what they... And that's offensive, almost to them. <laughs> so, Brent, you, you you came to that realization.
0: You're like, okay, it's not we're not reaching people for Christ the way we thought to. So, what what was the decision that you guys
1: made? Uh, we decided to shut all operations down in the direction that we were headed. Uh, we were getting a lot of support from United States Aid and other organizations that were fine with the business model that we were. Um, And we realized by shutting it down, it was going to be a total step of faith because a lot of our funding was going to uh, not be not exist.
0: They weren't going to give you funding for reaching
1: people for Christ, huh? For just Christ. They just
0: they just they just wanted to uh, give you money for getting fresh water. Okay. All right. So you you walked away. I mean, you're a business guy. Okay. So you've been in business for 40 years. You had to redo your entire business plan. You had to redo your entire business approach. I mean, that was a miracle. I mean, it's very hard to stop and start all over again. What did it it involve?
1: A lot of faith. Uh, Obviously, a lot of faith and a lot of prayer. And a lot of fear as well. (laughs) Fear. Yeah,
0: yeah. I understand that. i got to tell you, listener, audience, Love Serves International took a model that they had and went from drilling wells to discipling and reaching people for christ and the numbers are unbelievable people following jesus christ uh, in the dominican as a result of the fresh water approach that talked about the fresh life approach and jesus is is unbelievable in the first half of the show we started our conversation with peter swanson and brent whitehead with love serves international they're an amazing missionary organization that's uh, doing ministry in the Dominican Republic and we started here in about the first 20 so 20 or so years actually a little more than 20 years they just started providing fresh water in villages all over the Dominican Republic and one of the things that they realize is that, yes, they are providing fresh water and people are healthier. In fact, uh, Brent mentioned that the infant mortality rate dropped 400%, which I'm trying to figure that out. If it was 100%, you take 400%. I don't know. People were being raised from the dead. I don't, I, it was amazing. But it was just, they made a huge impact on infant mortality, people's health. But they realized that people weren't coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at the kind of volume that you really were looking for, you weren't. The pastors didn't know how to use the tool of the fresh water, and so you guys changed your missionary model. You changed your ministry model, and tell me about it, Brent. What, what did you change?
1: What's it look like? Uh, focused on the pastor, okay, and the training of the pastor, discipling of the pastor, uh, in the Dominican Republic. Uh, The majority of the pastors are very legalistic and very condemning to the people in the community. And and we were showing them that that's not really the story of Christ. And they received that very well because their successes as a growing church basically didn't exist. They didn't have churches that were growing. Uh, They were getting smaller. And so they were very frustrated, and they, would, they were just about ready for anything. It was really God's timing. If we started 30 years ago with this mentoring program of pastors, it would not have been a success because they weren't ready. The pastors in the Dominican Republic was not ready.
0: Hmm. Now, Peter, you, took, you, you take this model and you start training pastors, but you had to have somebody do the training. And did you start with a bell? Was a bell the first trainer? or did you, I mean, how did, that, how did it go, and how many trainers do you have today?
2: Uh, well, we did start. Uh, Abel is a pastor himself, okay. and uh, and so essentially he had to find um, a program that would that would help other pastors. So he, you know, instead of just pulling out of his back pocket a, a plan, he he did do some research and he found an incredible tool uh, called Natural Church Development. And really, it's not a program; it's a process, and it it can be a painful process for the church, and it takes a church that is sick and helps it to become healthy again because a healthy church is a growing church and if a a church is healthy it's ministering to the needs of the people it's it's meeting the needs of those around them and we know Jesus' strategy was to build his kingdom through the local church that was his plan A there's no plan B and the problem is in the Dominican Republic we estimate over 5,000 churches, evangelical churches that doesn't include any Catholic church that's there. And the majority of them, as, as uh, Brent said, are legalistic, inward focused, and they needed a paradigm shift. And that's what this process does. It completely turns them on their ear. Um, we needed a, a renovation of the church because all they could see was their in, inward problems. And
0: we could use a renovation of our church right here in the United States of America, that's for sure. Okay, so you started off training pastors.
2: You now have how many trainers in the Dominican Republic? Well, believe it or not, uh, and we'll share the numbers of what God is doing, but believe it or not, we only have seven coaches. You have seven coaches training pastors. How many pastors are they training right now? Right now, um, we have close to 1,400 churches.
0: So you're, and those churches are spread all over the Dominican or are you still in some sec- are there still some
2: sections of the Dominican you aren't getting into yet? We're nearly 30 of the provinces out of how many? 32.
0: 30 out of 32. Okay, so you got seven guys training 1400 pastors and you do that all on a budget of how much money? Uh, roughly half a million. Half a million honest. dollars. Now, last year, now, and, and Brent, maybe you can go in. Before you did this paradigm shift, before you changed your, your business model and went back to the Jesus model, how many people were coming to Christ on a yearly basis before you changed? Uh, Uh, In the hundreds, not quite a
1: thousand per
0: year. Now, last year, Peter, as a result of this model change, you're into the sixth year, I believe, of this model change. How many people were these pastors able to lead to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and and they made him the Lord of their life? How many people was it?
2: Well, it's interesting. I know you want that number, Jim. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to dangle it a little longer on the end of the carrot there. I'll leave it there because what I want to tell you is uh, we are concerned. We were concerned that you know, we would become just about numbers and so in order to focus on the discipleship you know people who have come to Christ but are also followers of Christ and, and being equipped by their pastor Ephesians 4.12 to use their gifts and then therefore go and disciple others we were focused on discipleship and so in order to keep us from just you know notches on our belt so to speak uh, we wouldn't track uh, just anybody, just adults. We decided we would track adult salvations, and uh, we wouldn't count them until they had been involved in the church, the local church, for, for three months or more. And so knowing that now, last year was the end of our sixth year, and uh, we, report, we recorded uh, 10,754 adults who had come to Christ and are now involved in their local church being equipped. So you've got 10,700 people getting discipled this year
0: that weren't getting discipled and really had never put their trust in what Christ had done for them on the cross the year before. That's right. And, that, and that's fantastic. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Okay, so you guys have this, this ministry, and obviously you want more people to get involved. You do this thing called the Vision Trip. Okay, Brent. Just start off talking about the vision trip. I know Peter
1: leads a lot of them. What is the purpose of the vision trip? Uh, vision trip is uh, uh, purpose is to expose uh, Americans uh, in what we're doing there in the Dominican Republic with LSI.
0: And are, is it mostly business people you're taking on
1: these trips? Sometimes it's business people and sometimes it's uh, small work teams.
0: Okay, so you're still doing some work there. We are. Because you stopped doing wells for a while.
1: Are you back doing wells again now? Not so much. No? Okay. But when you go back, like, what kind of work projects are you doing? Uh, usually construction projects to add on to the church building or something that will facilitate a church's vision to serving the community. So
0: like bathrooms or... Okay. All right. Things like that? Yes. All right, I, I know you're a construction guy, so it's all piece of cake, because they do everything with block there, so they can withstand hurricanes that hit there all year long. So, yes. have you perfected the flat roof, though, that won't leak? No. Okay. All right. I, that, we will know that the world is coming very close to an end when a guy perfects the flat roof that won't leak. Then we'll know that Christ is right around the corner, right <laughs> after we re, I mean,
2: it's this unbelievable. thing. Okay. So, Peter, you lead these vision trips. How often do you go on these vision trips? Well, uh, it's ranged the four years that I've been with Love serves, but we I try to go about every other month, and it really is, um, it's an opportunity for people to, you know, a lot of times, with mission trips, you know, people want to go get their hands dirty, but there are a, a group of people that want to see a ministry in action that is so powerful that that they might be inspired to to take the principles extract those imp- those principles and apply them in their own church in their own lives and so I have a such a heart for the church globally that if I can bring business people um, even pastors American pastors and they see a ministry where they have upwards of 90, 95 percent of a congregation using their gifts at work in the in in local missions, right around their own community, I mean that just blows their socks up. They can't so, believe how many. So people you are actually involved. have
0: people in the church reaching out to the community, using their gifts, talents, and abilities that God gave them to serve the people in their community. That's right. That's that is an amazing thing. And so, when are we going to bring this gentleman to the United States? When we start training pastors here to get that done.
2: I'm working on it right now.
0: Okay, because that's something that our church, the Church of Jesus Christ here in the United States of America is missing that. We are surrounded by so many people in our community. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. Church, if anybody's out there listening, we've got to step up. We've got to reach out our neighbors. If you don't know your neighbors' names... Get to know them. You got to know them. I mean, that's how people come to know Jesus. All right. So, Peter, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Okay. So these trips, you bring business people, you're bringing pastors, you're going every couple of months. What kind of
2: things do you see as the result of, of men and women going on these trips? Every one of them that I've talked to, and and I mean that, just about everyone have been impacted. And when I mean impacted, their personal walk with Christ has been um, shaken. They don't understand how the local church in the Dominican Republic, being in complete poverty, can transform their own community, and and it's happening, and they, they see it, and they're hearing the testimonies of the pastor and different people, and so when they come back, they're scratching their heads and going, how do we do, they're doing what you just did, how do we do this here? And my challenge to them is, even though our needs here in the United States are different, um, you know, the, we don't. You don't have a leaky roof, do you, Jim? Not yet. Yeah, but but in the DR, they do. It. It's it's a different type of need. But you know, there's there's people here in the United States that need Christians, like you said, who will who will model Christ to them and reach out and meet a need in their life. And it might be different. Might be an emotional thing. You know, families are broken. Jim, church has got to step up and and make a difference in the family. And so when they come on these vision trips, I'm amazed. Peter Swanson and Brent Whitehead from Love Serves International. And Peter was just getting ready to tell us
0: a story of an incredible ministry that, that is going on in the Dominican Republic as they are training up pastors and discipling pastors on how to minister to their own communities. The people in the community are ministering. People in the church are ministering to the people in their own community. And you told me a story about a year and a half ago about a guy who said, hey, I don't know what I can do for my neighborhood, but here's what I know how to do.
2: Yeah, that's right you know we all have aha moments in our life jim and this story grabbed my heart uh i was on the north coast in dominican republic and uh i was visiting with a dominican pastor just went down a, a very poor part of the neighborhood and a guy stepped out by the name of pablo and pablo um has been going to uh this little dominican church we've been coaching his pastor for a couple years and he the pastor now has been you know paradigm shift in his life and he is teaching about love for your neighbors well pablo took that literally which is very cool and he's he thought well how can i love my neighbor um i'm not a pastor i don't know how to preach i don't you know and he realized that loving them is meeting a need um and his direct neighbor was a single mom of four kids with one on the way. And uh, her husband had left her. And the, the sanitation, I mean, it's, uh, the the bathroom, there are no bathrooms. And so he began, he asked her if he, if, if he could build a bathroom, got a couple guys from the church, and he built their bathroom. Well, the vision has grown, and he's literally gone about a month, a bathroom a month, all the way down his street. You, you might ask, well, so none of them have bathrooms? That's right. None of them have bathrooms. Yeah, they have,
0: Most of them have a hole in the ground in the backyard if they've got a hole, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. And uh, so in my heart, I began to realize that when a, a Christian is motivated by love, Because of Christ's love on the cross, and he's been equipped by his pastor or a leader in his life to use the gifts that he has to transform others' lives, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's why that woman now goes to his church, and that's why we we see 10,754 come to Christ last night. It's not through big conferences and and festivals. It's through one-on-one discipleship where people see the love of Jesus in their own neighbors, and it's happening throughout the entire country of the Dominican Republic geographically like I said we're in 30 provinces and so it's just expanding um, and expanding yeah it's that's a fantastic and like I said we need to do that in our own country our pastor recently
0: preached a series called live sent which is just talking about the fact that everywhere we go we can touch people for Christ and that's what we're called to do all right so you've I desperately want to help you guys grow this ministry and for the glory of God so that more people can come to know Jesus Christ the 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 my savior my lord who has made such an impact on my life and next week on thursday the 22nd we're doing a lunch and learn and we're doing it at my favorite place the fat cat tavern over in uh in what's well, clear right where that is but the fat cat tavern and we're having lunch and learn what's the purpose of a lunch and learn
2: lunch and learn is for a business person like yourself to come and see what a ministry is doing you know if they're a, if they're a believer and and they they're looking for significance. They're looking for a way to connect with something. You know, the Great Commission is going to all the world and preach the gospel. Well, how do you, you know, you can do that in your own neighborhood, but a lot of times people are looking for something to plug into and we're happy for people to plug into what we're doing and be a part of something bigger than themselves
0: yeah and Brenton and I were talking about earlier that one of the biggest needs is that you know every business person is typically equipped with uh, administrative skills organizational skills uh, the managerial skills and financial skills and every missionary is typically equipped with evangelism discipleship and teaching and if we can connect those up the business people with the missionaries pastors that they can mutually encourage and disciple each other because there's such a huge need. I mean,
1: do you see that need? I mean, is that what God? How God's used you, Brent? Huge need. Huge need in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, so business people are needed. And, and so, okay, so this Lunch and Learn, it's next Thursday, the 22nd, at noon, uh, at the Fat Cat Tavern. He's getting free advertising. Bill, I'm going to get you for this. Okay, the Fat Cat Tavern. It's just an hour long. I'm buying lunch on anybody that wants to come. If you want a reservation and come here, Peter, and come here more about the vision of Love Serves and talk more specifically because we won't have microphones in front of us. All you gotta do is email me, Jim at IWorkForHim.com. Jim at iworkforhim Peter, anything else you want to say about that lunch and learn? What kind of cool things are you gonna bring?
2: Well, I'll have something to share with you that's personal. You know, honestly, I want my heart is to help others grow in their walk with Christ, and um, you know, you have so, you have so much to offer in your workplace, and. I just want to give you motivation to share the vision that we have. And you, you might wonder, how does that work with a, a foreign mission here in, in, in the Tampa Bay area? Uh, come and find out.
0: All right. And, and what the cool part is that will also lead in to a vision trip that you've got coming up in October, and you, they can learn more about that now. So if you want to go to that uh, lunch and learn, all you got to do is email me, jim at iworkforhim.com. Are you supporting ministries that are making a kingdom impact? Does your life reflect the radical transformation of Jesus Christ that we read about in the book of Acts? Do you desire to deepen your relationship with Christ so that you can be used to make an impact on your workplace? If these questions or today's topic find you desiring a deeper understanding of how God fits into your workplace, then... Check out Business His Way. On September 13th, 2013, we will begin a new, brand new study, a biblical mentoring process designed for you to learn how to follow our Lord in your workplace. Brought to you by C12 Tampa Bay and I Work For Him. For more information, contact me at jim at iworkforhim.com. That's jim at iworkforhim.com. Next week on the show, we'll be talking with Chris and Christy Baker about... Camp Cornerstone Campus Ministry, right there on the, the Tampa Tampa campus of USF. I don't know why I'm stuttering on that one. All right, and finally a word about my advertisers. As part of my job with Platinum Information Services, I work with small business owners all day long, and they ask me for referrals. That's who my sponsors are. People I trust. People you can trust. Look for the links to their company websites listed on our websites, WTIS1110.com and IWorkForHim.com. On the IWorkforhim For Him website, you'll find all kinds of great resources, including my show log and my guest schedule, along with my weekly blog and the list of books that I highlight. All right, thanks, Peter and Brent. I appreciate you guys being on the show today.
2: It was great, to you. you,
0: Jim. I'm glad you guys could be here. It was really a lot of fun hearing more about Love Serves International. Please take time to like the I Work for Him show on Facebook. That's I Work the number for Him. I need to get those likes up to a thousand or so so I can be happy about it. So I know anybody's listening. So get up there and like I Work for Him on Facebook. Thanks to Mike Miracle for running the controls and keeping me on time. You've been listening to the I Work for Him show with your host Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. I own my own business. I'm also an employee. I don't know about you, Tampa Bay, but I work for him.
1: I've had a long day, I just want to relax. Don't have time for my friends, no time to chit-chat. Problems at my job, wondering what to do. I know I should be working, but I'm thinking of you and... When I feel this crazy, is is gonna bring me down? Just when your smile comes around, oh, I love the way you hold me